Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of I Pledge Allegiance. This week, we're talking about NounsDAO. Nouns is a project that I think everyone in this space is pretty familiar with at this point and has been around for over a year. And it's an especially interesting project for me because it sits at the intersection of NFTs, DAOs, and governance. It's really set itself apart as a project that intermingles between all of these different sectors, has a pretty unique governance and distribution mechanism. And when you look at the the landscape of protocols and and DAOs out there, it definitely stands out as, as among the most active, interesting, and really sophisticated ones. For this episode, we've brought on some folks working closely on nouns since inception and throughout the last year, really just to have a pretty sit-down, casual conversation about what makes nouns so unique and interesting. We're not necessarily going to cover the basics of nouns and, and how it works. I think at this point, it's, it's pretty well established, but we'll be really focusing on just the specific elements that sets nouns apart and some of the empirical examples of, of the initiatives and working groups and proposals that have been passed and, and worked on over the past year. So without further ado, this week's guests are 4156, who is one of the original Nounders, Noun40, who is Hong, the CTO of Bitwise. He's been pretty closely involved in Nouns over the past few months. And my co-host for this episode will be Noun22. So really excited to start this conversation. And my first question to 4156, if, if you want to take this one, is what are the core components and, and pieces of NounsDAO? That's a good question. And of course, thanks for having us on, on your show. Well, first of all, I, I think in some sense, what's special about Nouns is the way all of the components are integrated, how they kind of work together to generate these sort of feedback loops. I think if you had to maybe boil it down to three things, or maybe four things as brief as I can make it that make nouns special. I would say one is the fact that one kind of NFT is auctioned every day and that the proceeds of that go into, into the treasury, into the DAO. Two is, is the fact that there is a DAO, that, that there's this kind of you know, permissionless on-chain governance mechanism that makes the whole organization work. And I would say the other one is the fact that effectively everything around the project has been placed into the public domain. So that includes, you know, the code, the smart contracts, but also critically the artwork and all of the sort of brand assets that that make nouns feel the way it feels. And the fact that all of this is, is kind of like maximally free for experimentation, I think ends up being very important for the project in, in a bunch of different ways. Really good, simple explanation. And I think it's worth diving in on, on each of those really. I guess the the first sort of thought that comes to mind is, I think overall sentiment on just the word governance is not very positive. I think DAO governance has has seen a lot of criticism as being something that no one cares about, is mostly is inefficient, takes too long, and sort of it's just centralized teams making some of the decisions anyways. I think it's pretty clear it's different in nouns, just from the number of proposals and the the variety. Curious like what you guys think sets nouns apart in, in this component as, as, as having like what you can call working governance. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the critical ingredients is is this idea that that one noun is one vote or one, one NFT is one vote. And the fact that this NFT is also kind of tied to an avatar or a character and that this like non-fungible 
character is this kind of atomic unit that you can kind of like track throughout its history and you know track its participation and then and then for the owner of the nft to kind of like form a bond with that thing as your kind of like digital identity within the organization i think that is responsible for a significant amount of the engagement i think you know if if you think about governance purely as as kind of like fungible tokens it doesn't feel as interesting or exciting in a lot of different ways. It, it doesn't feel like you're, you're kind of like playing a character in a play. It feels more like a commodity. And I think NFTs kind of as one of the kind of main units of the DAO sort of like decommodify that, that feeling and create a feeling that you're participating as a character on a stage. And I think that creates a lot of motivation to kind of act and, and do right by the noun that you own. Yeah, I think that's definitely an, an interesting way to frame it. Like when I sort of look at some of the DeFi forums, most of the people that are holders are are either are large holders, which are either like venture funds or employees and founders or just other community members that have built up reputations. And I think it just it means that because they're very public and people know who they are and their real names, like they're much more sort of guarded and and they think carefully about everything they they write. And whereas here, it's like, it does provide a bit of a clean slate, having the ability to use a, a noun as your PFP and, and have that as your username and share your, your thoughts as, as someone with, with any kind of background or, or history. I would just add that, you know, I think in some sense, like the characters themselves and like the absurdist nature does this kind of like personal de-risking, you know, when, when you're like a goat head voting on governance matters or like a coffee bean or, or like a chili pepper, it makes it fun and kind of lowers the stakes in certain ways. And I think that that sort of playful attitude also helps keep it fun and, and engaging and makes it feel less like work to govern the org. I have a few thoughts here. So for the audience, this is Hong, or in this conversation, I might be now in 40 or 40. Something that I wanted to add to that conversation is that I think for a governance system, for a community to work well, there has to be like a shared vision, a shared idea that people feel excited about. Not like, yes, they feel with sufficient financial incentivization can convince themselves to produce the labor mechanics that would create a perpetual motion machine. Like, no, like something that people are genuinely excited about and are fascinated about. And that sort of includes sort of a possible future that excites them, brings about a sense of sort of imagination in them. And nouns, in my view, has that. And sometimes people talk about CTO, which is Creative Commons Zero, which means just basically that it's freely, there's no rights reserved and it's freely accessible to anyone to, to, to do anything with, including commercial activity. And so the alternative of the sort of traditional IP model is this giving everything up for free, putting everything in the public domain model. But what used to plague that side of the spectrum is that it doesn't scale. If you don't have a way to continuously fund and monetize the things that you produce, there's a certain limit as to how much you can produce that thing. So that's sort of like one way you had this one end of the spectrum, you had Disney. And then the other end, you had like sort of indie project type things, but it never really scaled or became something like large enough that, that mattered or often did not. It did not have sort of a, a sustainable, scalable funding and monetization mechanism. And here was a project that kind of had both. And it was, it was just like so fascinating to me because the two of those things are like not supposed to go together. So you had 
the sale of an NFT every day that went into a treasury to then continue to fund things to produce more intellectual property, whether that is artwork or whether that is a documentary or whether that is a sort of software tool that you can use to engage in the community, etc. It was a machine that continued to create those things and give those things out for free. And you could imagine, if you could like squint at it and imagine a world where that forever scales in an infinite way. And that view, that worldview was really fresh and also exciting to me because the world where, where that model is maximally successful would be a world where there is more such freely shared intellectual property, whether that's content or software, and also that there is continuous funding and the people that continuously funded that thing presumably also could make money as well. I just had a question about that, Hong, which is like, if you look, for example, at Uniswap or, I don't know, Compound, I mean, my sense is that, you know, these projects and, and organizations are kind of like equally noble with, you know, equally ambitious goals. But somehow participation in the governance of, you know, like an exchange protocol or a lending platform just feels less exciting and engaging. And it feels more like work and less like fun. Yeah, sorry, just a quick point here. I think, I mean, it definitely agree. I think the reason is when you look at some of the proposals with DeFi protocols, they're very stressful proposals. Like if you mess up certain parameters on the protocols, millions of dollars are suddenly at risk and the protocol could be under collateralized. Like there's pretty, pretty large negative consequences to not doing these things well. Whereas with, with nouns, it's, it's like you're playing an MMORPG and you're, you're shitposting with some of your friends on like the, the global world chat and you're spending real money. And it's in some cases, large amounts of money, but it's literally just interesting things to experiment on, like where to paint some murals or what like derivative projects to support. So I think from that perspective, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Hey, so this is now 22. And also just want to say thank you, Derek, for having us on. Uh, to answer the original question about you know, what is it about the governance that, and why does it work? I think there's a number of factors besides the, the fact that, as Forty was alluding to, people are kind of drawn into this project in a really strong way for a number of reasons. I think why governance has been uh, so functional so far is A, you know, this is a small DAO. We all know each other. One of the things that I focus on as core contributor is an emphasis on creating that community. I onboard people. I do calls with every new member. I host weekly town calls. So everyone kind of has heard each other's voices, knows each other. It's, it's a, there's a very friendly atmosphere. And second, I think beyond having a small doubt, we have a lot of just very highly engaged members and there's a very high barrier to entry. Now, at the lowest point, I think it was $100,000 to join the DAO. And in the early days, it was often about half a million dollars. So you have a lot of members who have a very, very active interest in the DAO, you know, because this wasn't you know, something that they were able to just you know, submit an application to join. They really had to put, you know, have skin in the game. And also, we've seen from members a, an emphasis on, on just long-term thinking to, to build something sustainable, not to get rich quick. In the early days, there, there's some attempts to People saw the treasury, which I think was worth you know, $50, $60 million at the time. And Olympus and its forks were really popular and tried to Olympusify and short-term gamify the treasury, which I think may have produced you know, the ability to get rich quick in the short term, but would have been detrimental to the health of the project and its sustainability in the long term. 
So we, the DAO effectively fought those off. And I think that's because of the culture of long-term thinking and people who are, who are just really motivated and excited about this project. Definitely agreed. I think the fact that there's a few hundred token holders as opposed to two thousands or tens of thousands, and the fact that there is a barrier to entry of a pretty substantial amount of, of money, I think increases the overall level of discourse because you have to put thought into it. Curious, like how you guys would, I've heard some pushback on the nouns model from folks that think the barrier entry is too high. It stops sort of more, and this might apply to a lot of NFTs as a whole, honestly, but it's like the level of to sort of get in and be a member and be a contributor is, is too high. And I think, yeah, my response generally there is like, you can still participate in the DAO and be a contributor in other ways, but curious how, how you guys would think about that. Yeah, I guess there's a, a few ways. First, we've, we've seen the emergence of some sub-DAOs. Lil Nouns is a good example, just one of many. Shark DAO, Goop at one point, you know, that own nouns allow people to have fractional ownership. We've seen some be more successful than others. I think in the early days, just a, a simple fractionalization of a noun where people had ERC-20s really didn't seem to create the community aspect that was that was necessary. But now with things like little nouns and, and actual NFTs and a community of their own and a treasury of their own, we've seen a way that people can enter into the community at a lower price point and feel that they have financial ownership of nouns now. But financial ownership has not been the only way that we've seen people get engaged. We have something called Nouncil, which is a variety of different builders. I think that there might be 40 or 50 plus representatives in Nouncil who are engaged and participate in governance in the protocol, despite not owning a noun. And in some cases, they're only delegated the vote of a noun by a noun holder. But that alone is enough to get them, well, in addition to their, 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 their genuine excitement about the project, that allows them to participate in governance and feel like their voice is heard. Curious what the difference between a Nouncil member is from a, just a, a, a vanilla nouns holder. Like, are there different responsibilities? Are they compensated? So I know that Nouncil does have an operational budget, but I'm not sure how it's split amongst its members. But Nouncil has been delegated votes from a variety of Nouners. And so they collectively govern that set of votes, which I believe is somewhere around the area of 10 to 13 right now. Got it. Makes a ton of sense. Another area of which you touched on is the prop house. And there was a new proposal that came out by, by Down 40 actually about basically productizing and the infrastructure behind prop house, public goods and public infrastructure for others to use. So Forty, do you want to talk a little bit about what that is and why it's important? Yeah, prop house is a funding mechanism where the thing that is being auctioned is ETH and the thing that is creating the bid per se, bid for the ETH is an idea, a proposal. And so it's in a way kind of an inversion of what the on-chain DAO proposal, you come with a proposal and you ask for a certain amount of ETH. It's kind of the inversion of that model. And the way that the winning proposal is selected is by a token vote. So any nouner can go in and look at a certain round that let's say 25 ETH is being auctioned out or two ETH is being auctioned out to 10 people. And they would go and vote on different proposals that, that they seem interesting. And that would then be funded in a autonomous way from there on. 
And it has been a successful me mechanism that other communities, such as the Lil Nouns subdown or um, other sort of extension projects or projects have used that mechanism as well. And, and a way to think about that is sort of a governance or spending scaling mechanism. So if you think about how to reduce the governance overhead of a system, you want the on-chain proposal to have a certain threshold of importance for everyone to be voting. Let's say that's you know, 50 ETH or 100 ETH. For a treasury that has 25,000 ETH, let's say, there's a certain threshold in which if it's not that size of an issue or a proposal, then it doesn't really make sense. But that doesn't mean that the long tail of ideas, things that can be done with 2 ETH or things that can be done with 10 ETH is not worthwhile ideas. It just means that the original governance mechanism would be too much overhead for that system. So this system was kind of created as a way to be able to more autonomously engage that long tail and also only involve the people that want to vote in that ecosystem. So it can, it can be curated with a much smaller list and not really think about like a governance attack or whether it's sufficient quorum, et cetera. And I know now 22 has, has something additional to say here because he also runs a group that tries to solve this sort of long tail funding problem as well. Cool. Yeah. One of the things that I've come to just recognize in, in my time in the DAO over the last year is that some of the most effective ways that we've been able to succeed in, in proliferating the nouns meme, which I think is our overall broad goal, has been through smaller grants, whether it's through something like a prop house or the group that I run called small grants. You know, basically, you know, I've seen that, you know, one to two ETH to a committed builder goes a very long way and really engenders a, a sense of loyalty, support, and, 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 and really sparks the enthusiasm of people who receive it. So I think Prop House is incredible in its ability to onboard new members and, and into the DAO. You can really just have people who find nouns, have their curiosity peaked, and you know, demonstrate some genuine interest, are able to very quickly receive you know, thousands of dollars to pursue a creative project completely of their own design. It's a lot of money. And I think that you know, people who receive this relatively easily you know, don't forget it. And it creates strong potential community members in the DAO. So whereas Prop House does an auction of a certain amount, of you know two ETH here, two call it five or recipients for a given round. The way that small grants functions is it's just a pool that I and some others manage in a you know in a more discretionary centralized basis, but ultimately with the same with the same goal. And I think that the prop house as well as small grants are completely complementary since it's just all trying to fund talented, motivated builders in as many different ways that we can. Yeah, well this is one of the things I'm I'm most excited about is just thinking about nouns as being it's really composed of like a bunch of different primitives. You have the the governance contracts, which are a fork of Compound Governor Bravo. You have the distribution mechanism. You have the art itself. And you have the some of the more emergent funding mechanisms like Prop House or, or small grants. And we're seeing now, yeah, other projects pick and choose sort of individual primitives to to adopt as inspiration. And I think... This most recent proposal is just the one example, but the nouns derivatives are, are an example as well. So I think in this way, like all of it goes back to strengthening the nouns brand and, and vision. 4156, as someone that's really been there since the start, like how has it been watching this journey and what sort of effect do you think it has on the, on the nouns 
just brand the fact that all of these different pieces are are being packaged into new ways. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously been absolutely fascinating to work on and, and to watch it grow. There's probably nothing else I can think of that I, I could be work, working on that, that would be as, as interesting as this. You know, I think when we set out to create the project, you know, we I think we obviously, as, as people that had been in the cryptocurrency space for a long time, kind of understood that things can get very large very quickly because because of the incentive engineering mechanisms and and the kind of nature of the flow of attention and capital in the space. I think when we launched the project last August, if you had told us that six or seven months later, we would have like the noun glasses in a Super Bowl commercial, I don't think we would have believed you. So, you know, I think there was a sense that even kind of handicapping for how quickly things can grow in the space, we, we didn't really anticipate how quickly the brand could scale. You know, a, a funny kind of anecdote, an example of that is I think if you look back at at some of the the early user interface mocks that we were building as we were building out the front end, our example like current bids for a noun in those interfaces, the example values were like two ETH or three ETH. <laughs> and of course, you know, the the first noun sold for for hundreds of ETH and you know it's it's been kind of going going strong ever since. So I don't think we were naive about how capital could be attracted to these projects. But I, I do think we kind of underestimated how quickly the brand itself would start to be proliferated. Something that is underappreciated is the dynamic that a continuous auction creates in a project community, et cetera. And a thing that is ruthless about a daily continuous auction is that whenever there is any amount of speculative energy, as in let's say there's a Super Bowl commercial and people are talking about it on Twitter and there's like a lot of excitement around it suddenly, then the daily auction ruthlessly sort of crushes that speculative energy because there might be a few people that are very bullish and would be willing to bid up and compete in the auction, but then they end up spending their ETH. And that sort of energy gets eaten through and then very quickly stabilizes, which is a very different dynamic from a fixed supply asset or collection, which is more common in the NFT space than in something like Bitcoin or ETH. And so in in a more fixed supply, sort of whenever there's speculative energy, then sort of things can go through the roof. But that dynamic doesn't really happen as much in the price chart of nouns, which is A, an interesting fact, but B, I think think it does for governance and community building is that ultimately, because the price doesn't pump well, or like the number like doesn't go up as, as how people might, might meme or say, then it leads to a group of people that are, that are staying there mostly for what the project interests them about. But importantly, it gives those people more resources. So it does capture the speculative energy and translate that to more treasury ETH. And then the people that remain after that, that wave goes away actually has more resources at their disposal to then continue on in that journey. So then that enables sort of a larger possibility that a future milestone can be reached that will then create another round of speculative interest, but then that will be quickly sort of crushed. And sort of that feedback loop is something that I think I did not appreciate when I first saw the the continuous auction mechanism, but I appreciate a lot more as I've, I've followed the journey for the past nine months. Yeah, I guess when it comes to the auction mechanism and, and the daily auction, I suppose it all kind of revolves around what you're trying to optimize for. 
like I mentioned earlier, the Dow kind of had resisted the urge to do short-term gains to Olympusify the treasury. But it does what Forty was basically saying kind of result in a in a capped upside. I think that what we're trying to do here, and if we're successful in this experiment, is create a more sustainable foundation for our, the NFT that we own for the meme, you know, versus a lot of projects that you see out there right now, launched with a lot of hype, with a fixed supply, like you were suggesting, with a team, with a roadmap, with promises of utility. That reminds me of just the exact same thing as what happened in 2017 with ICOs. So now you have JPEGs. Back then you just had you know random coins. And I think that you know if if, if the historical parallel continues, that you know 99% of NFTs with utility and roadmap are going to basically disappear in the next few years. Versus nouns by virtue of having a longer term distribution mechanism, which incentivizes longer term thinking, I think is going to be able to have build this foundation and be sustainable over time, as opposed to just, you know, having this huge speculative frenzy flaming out and then you never hear about it again. A question I have is like, yes, you can kind of think of it as like, oh, maybe these the group of people are more like just inherently long-term thinking or noble or whatever. But I guess maybe the point that I was trying to think through is that like there's an inherent sort of driving direction of the mechanism. The mechanism guides the behavior of the people and it sort of, forces a certain type of self-selection or stamps down a certain type of expectation or behavior. That's the kind of thing that was actually surprising to me. And, and I, was, I was curious to ask 4 and 5, 6, if, if when, you, when you initially thought of the sort of continuous auction mechanism, was that something that you had considered or like in this sort of guiding behavior that it, that it enforces? Is, is that something that you had expected or was that also a surprise for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I had certain intuitions about it. I don't know that that explicitly was one of them. And I mean, I, I think there are senses in which that is like sort of not not necessarily true in the long run, which I can talk about in a second. But I think initially the way I thought about it was primarily that it was just a more fair mechanism for distribution because it, it created opportunities to participate kind of equally across time, right? Like if, if you look throughout crypto history, it's like the space is kind of littered with examples of, you know, were you in the right place at the right time? Punks were kind of like given away, distributed in this like, you know, 24 or 36 hour period back in 2017. Like, were you online for, you know, <laughs> that one evening when when punks were released or, or, you know, the Ethereum crowd sale, I think was like two weeks long or something like that. It's like, you know, did you hear, hear about it from the right friend at the right time? Whereas, um, a project that's kind of like perpetually inflationary kind of creates these equal opportunities across time for participation. So I think I originally thought about the mechanism more around kind of fairness of, of distribution rather than kind of like capturing capturing demand in, in the treasury and kind of like turning that into a long-term asset. And, you know, I, I think that that is true. And it's probably more true in the early history of the project than the the kind of like late history of the project. Because if if you think about the the kind of inflation in relative terms, right? Like one new noun on, on the first day is, is kind of like a hundred percent inflation, but one new noun on, on the 10,000th day is, is this kind of very, very minimal inflationary mechanism. So that by virtue of one noun being created every day forever, the inflation rate kind of asymptotically approaches zero. And so I think over time, that kind of like capturing demand mechanism starts to get diluted a little bit. As nouns continues to grow and the issuance rate smooths out, 
I'm sure there will be new there'll be new challenges that emerge. Are there any sort of initiatives or or things that or just ideas you you'd like to see people work on? Yeah, sure. You know, I I think we've actually done a great job in terms of all of the proposals related to to brand proliferation and and all of that stuff seems like it, it's on a very natural trajectory and and a good track, right? In in the sense that we're seeing proposals become more and more ambitious. We're attracting kind of more and more sophisticated proposers and, and proposers that are kind of like importing their previous kind of like domain expertise into the nouns ecosystem and executing it, right? So an example of this would be in the first month of nouns, for example, you know, we had someone propose a comic and it was interesting to read, but at the end of the day, it was just one person who was kind of independently drawing this comic by hand every day. Whereas recently we've seen a proposal for a comic book with, you know, global distribution from someone who, who has a lot of domain expertise, who, who has spent a career in the industry and who really has like a very sophisticated background in, in actually producing that kind of content. So I think that trajectory is, is on a good track. And I think it'll be fun to just kind of like track that progression across a lot of different verticals, whether that's filmmaking or comics or games, you know, that, that sort of stuff. I think probably like the, the place that we have to focus because in a sense, it's like, it's less fun and it's more work and it's harder to think about. And it's, it's, it's more existential is everything related to nouns as a protocol. So how do we turn this from something that has protocol-like properties into a completely permissionless protocol that, that can truly live forever? And, you know, I, th- I think there's a few things that have to be done there before Nouns actually kind of ticks that box, before it, it qualifies as something that is, is truly decentralized. There are, are kind of more straightforward ones, like there should be multiple multiple web front ends for bidding in the auction. And we've started to see a few of those, but, you know, seeing like, really sophisticated teams come in and, and genuinely try to compete with the Nouns Foundation to build their own their own front end, I think is something that would be great to see in the next year. So like kind of proliferation of clients, if we want to think of it that way. The other thing is, you know, kind of um, trying to find a safe way to remove the proposal veto power, which is something that exists within the Nouns ecosystem to protect the DAO against a sort of 51% attack. So that would be someone kind of accumulating a significant percentage of the voting power and basically voting to withdraw the entire treasury to themselves. You know, this is obviously a problem in every sort of DAO. There's not really an obvious solution to this problem. So at the moment, there's, of, of course, this, this Nouns Foundation, which is, you know, its own kind of legal entity, a, a foundation company that has the ability to veto a proposal that would propose to withdraw the treasury or do something else malicious. But of course, there are no kind of like algorithmic constraints around like what should be vetoed and what what shouldn't. And so there's a veto power that could effectively be captured and veto any proposal and kind of threaten the project. So figuring out a way to to kind of engineer that out of the out of the ecosystem, I think is super important. And then, you know, the kind of like concentration of attention in certain social media accounts. So, you know, the NounsDAO Twitter account, the NounsDAO Discord, where, where most of the activity is happening. Those of us who, who lived through the, the early days of Bitcoin and, and saw the, the Bitcoin subreddit get kind of like captured and then censored by one faction of, of Bitcoiners are very sensitive to this idea that if, if all of the, the attention is kind of concentrated around a platform or, or community where there are a few people in control, that gives those people a lot of power. So eventually kind of dissolving those main social media channels and having the community kind of pick up many different channels that kind of proliferate and create those meeting places for nouns 
I think will be important. So effectively, turning nouns into a very kind of battle-hardened protocol, I think is probably where the most important work needs to be done over the next one to two years. I think this part, turning it into a battle-hardened protocol through greater diversification of of front-ends, contributors, visions, I think it's much easier here than with a, a sort of standard DeFi protocol because, again, pointing to any DeFi protocols, you have, like, they're pretty complicated, a lot of them. They have sort of lots of moving parts. They need protocol level upgrades. If they're changing interest rate curves or AMM formulas, like those are pretty substantial. And frankly, I I don't know if I want just random people contributing ideas to that. I would rather have like one or two really, really good teams, probably the, the founding team sort of contributing. So again, whereas with nouns, like you could argue from my perspective, like you could argue there's maybe an overarching vision at this point, but longer term, like there can be many conflicting ones and it's okay to give each faction some resources and, and see which ones stick. Like it's almost like guerrilla marketing in that standpoint where you give a, a bunch of different people some money, see what works and double down on, on that approach. Like that's basically what I see as, as going on here, whether it's comic books or, or the murals or, or whatever. I'll just add one more thing there around this idea that eventually you could see kind of multiple competing factions within the nouns DAO. I think that's certainly, it's certainly possible. It may be inevitable. And when we say competing, like it doesn't mean that they're necessarily opposed to each other. It's just that they have different objectives and and they're kind of working, working on their own trajectories. But, you know, I, I think another really interesting way to, to think about nouns is like, if, if you want to use the Ethereum analogy, the artwork and the distribution mechanism and effectively, you know, the GitHub repo is kind of analogous to the EVM. And then the first instance of Nouns DAO is analogous to Ethereum, right? It, it's the state, it's the first instantiation of this idea. And because it's the first instantiation of the idea, that gives it this kind of provenance. It gives it, you know, in, in the context of, of NFTs or art, it gives it this kind of like credibility as the original. And that credibility is the thing that causes it to kind of aggregate so many more resources than than the competing forks. But certainly I think we can imagine maybe suboptimal futures where something goes wrong with, with the main main nouns DAO. But this idea of nouns or, or nounishness as a brand and as you know many, many different sub-organizations can carry on in the same way that, you know, if something kind of tragic happened to the state of Ethereum, like certainly that wouldn't be the end of the EVM. So I, you know, I, I think there's this kind of like very interesting meta as well where what nouns is may not necessarily only be the nouns DAO. Yeah, it's, it's it's really fascinating to think about nouns as a protocol and the sort of in the layers that, that Form 56 laid out. And I think when people sort of hear the idea that like proliferating the meme is the objective of the DAO, I think people hear the word meme and then think about like only a visual meme, like an image, because also that's why what sort of NFTs have generally been associated to so far. But I think there's a way of thinking about it a little bit more broadly as an idea or like a stack of ideas or sort of this protocol, uh, these layered mechanisms as kind of the the meme that you proliferate. And there can be sort of derivatives of that idea. It can be, and we're already seeing sort of in our community, we usually refer to them as extensions rather than derivatives because they're sort of not competing, but rather sort of we think about them as cooperative. But anyways... And that's how that meme sort of spreads beyond it as just the image, the glasses spreading. It's interesting to kind of think about 
nouns, maybe in, in the context of something like Bitcoin, where if you think about Bitcoin as like the bootstrapping mechanism for the crypto ecosystem, and to the extent that you believe that in the long run, Bitcoin itself may have some problems that have to be addressed around, around its own security. There's this thesis, I think, that some people in, in the space have that the long-term trajectory of Bitcoins as, as, as assets could actually be, they mostly end up as these, these kind of NFT-like mechanisms that exist on other chains, right? Like that Bitcoin as an asset might be different in the long term than Bitcoin as a network. Most of the Bitcoins that are owned end up as, as like, you know, tokenized Bitcoin on, on Ethereum. And at that point, it is achieved this objective as, as this kind of like digital gold or, or this kind of like fractionalized NFT that, that was really just a claim on, on having been early in the space. And I wonder if in the very long run, there could be something kind of analogous with, with nouns where at a certain point, maybe 10 years down the line or 15 years down the line, the main nouns DAO just just can't scale any further, right? Like, you know, you can imagine it at that point, there's like a billion dollars in the treasury or it's matured in some sense. And it's actually like the many noun sub organizations that, that are kind of like the most, most active, you know, it's the uh, many other instances of nouns DAO that, that are kind of the most active form of the project. And in that sense, the original noun NFTs kind of act like the Bitcoins. They're the, the kind of like receipts on, on having been there at the beginning of this, of this idea. I don't know if that's likely. It's just kind of an interesting analogy, an interesting way to think about, you know, possible long-term trajectories for the project. When you say different instances of nouns and sort of the original nouns NFTs no longer being able to scale, like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think it's just theoretical from here. It, it's hard to imagine what what are the failure modes in ten years for something as kind of novel as as nouns. I'm just imagining, you know, some some future where there's like some fundamental constraint on scaling beyond, I don't know, five thousand nouns or ten thousand nouns, or something kind of is fundamentally suboptimal in the first instance of the DAO. But there are are many other instances of the of the DAO that are working either because they have a smaller number of participants or, you know, they've, they've made some kind of like change to the technology. I guess the, the point is that in the long run, it, it's possible that the original nouns are, are valued for the NFT more than the DAO because they are the the kind of like claims on having participated in the first instance of this model. And it's the other instances of the model that that kind of go on to to kind of like proliferate the brand, the idea, the objectives of, of nounishness. I mean, to be clear, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I, I hope the main DAO becomes, you know, the, the largest organization in, in the world. And I think there are good arguments that if we can kind of like sufficiently harden it as a protocol, that that is within the set of possibilities. But I think it's also kind of interesting to think about the kind of like the provenance of, of the NFTs and the provenance of, of the first instance of the DAO. It's not just about whether the, the main DAO has failure modes. I think there can be outside success in other instances of nouns that just far exceed the main DAO. And I think that would be a great success. I mean, it would be illustrating sort of the credible neutrality or the sort of actual protocolness of the idea. And for example, you can imagine, let's say, like there is an extreme sports-oriented instance of nouns. They're called NARS, and so that that's sort of, it's an also another DAO. And I don't think they have exactly forked all the mechanisms yet, but they, they plan to. And then you can imagine that that if through the athletes that they sponsor and the fan base that they build and sort of the, the community, if that sort of takes on a life of its own, 
then it's very possible that 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 instance of Nound could start attracting capital and attention at a faster pace than the main DAO. We also have a sort of an esports pod that we're just it's just at this point a multi-sig that sponsors multiple teams, but you can imagine that also taking on a life of its own that's faster than than the main thing. So I just wanted to point out that it's like not always that the, the main thing has to fail for it not to be the biggest success. And that also not being the biggest success, I agree. It can still be a good success mode. While I do think nouns is the most exciting project in crypto, and you're not going to find a bigger noun fan than me, I don't think that we can be complacent and just assume that hypernounization is an inevitability. I think the, the things that we need to focus on and, and the failure modes that, that I think the most about are simply the two things that could, could really derail things are, are our failure to sustain new buyers and then our failure to sustain governance that works, right? We've been talking about why does governance work? I guess why I think about what could happen in the future that would make governance non-functional and ultimately you know, detrimental to the DAO. And I think that Sustaining new buyers is a little easier to envision, right? We've onboarded tremendous human capital. People are drawn to the project. We're doing experimentation in new ways that communities, as opposed to individuals, are able to buy nouns. But sustaining the functional governance is something that I think will be a pressure in the future. You know, as the DAO grows, it gets just more complex and complicated to coordinate. And also, just as time goes on, member engagement is, is something that we need to think about. You know, we need to sustain the sense of community. I think that one of the things that concerns me the most, not that it's on the horizon, but just in the future, is a sense of member apathy. And that's what, you know, one of the roles that I take on at the DAO is really trying to create a sense of community and excitement within the DAO. Because if we're at a point where, you know, right now we have, I think there's probably 200-ish unique members. And I, and I can tell it's, it's a lot harder to coordinate than it used to be when there's, call it, 40 of us. But, you know, I can only imagine the challenges that we'll face when there's 2,000 members, you know, and getting everybody to feel like they have a read of the room, getting everybody to feel like they have a, their voice can be heard, and also keeping old members, or earlier members, I should say, you know, active and engaged. I think retention is a big thing that we will need to focus on through, because you know, governance, as, as the DAO gets larger and scales more, right? Now, we, I just remember you know, how it felt six months ago versus now in terms of the amount of proposals, right? Whether it's on-chain proposals, whether it's the hundreds of proposals we see coming to Prop House, whether it's the dozens or hundreds of inquiries I receive personally at small grants. Governance is work. I mean, and it's something that people will do if there's a financial upside. But figuring out mechanisms to really help scale our ability to perform that governance, I think it is critical. And also thinking about ways to compensate people and give them a financial upside to the extent that they do feel they want to participate and engage, but feel that it'll be worth their time and they can be rewarded for, for spending their time on the Nows protocol. I actually tend to think that like one of the most bullish futures for the project is is one where nouns aren't owned individually and they're owned collectively. And I think we've started to see this and, you know, it might actually be interesting to try to track kind of like collective ownership versus individual ownership over time. But I think like, for example, if, if we look at something like little nouns, you know, to the extent that that, that project now owns, owns five nouns and to the extent that it seems like a lot of the capital in, in their treasury is kind of earmarked to flow into nouns DAO we could kind of already assume that just with little nouns, we can already assume that the kind of primary nouns DAO has, you know, way more than, than 367 participants, which, which is the number of, of nouns that have been issued as of today. And I actually think that that kind of like collective ownership is one of the potential solutions to apathy, because if we can get to a point where each individual noun is in a sense, its own sub organization, then 
as long as at some level there's there's engagement within within that suborganization, right? Like some percentage of people in the suborganization care, then you would have a very very high level of engagement in the meta organization, right? So you know of of the owners of now three six seven, if there's a hundred owners and only five of them care, I mean that's kind of like maybe that's like a normal steady state for kind of like long term governance participation. But what that leads to, if if every single noun has that kind of like sub governance makeup, is that leads to a hundred percent participation or, or you know very very high participation at the meta level. So I, I think that'll be very interesting to watch develop. Fascinating point. While we're on the topic of failure modes, I also wanted to extend the last part of what Nan Twenty Two said around incentivization of the people that contribute. And here, want to kind of make it more clear that like. Yes, there's also like small sort of community contributions, but there's also, we want to encourage huge ambitious projects. And that's also, I think, how we solve these sort of like scaling governance problems is by creating, let's say, infrastructure where larger, more scalable funding activities or governing activities can, can occur. And PropHouse is an example of this. So, so it's not something that can be achieved by an individual. Now there's a team behind it. It's also not something we can do in, in a month. It's, it's, it's now been over a year in which that project has been iterated and essentially run as a startup. So we basically need more of such sort of teams and efforts. But then at that level, at that level of ambition and capability and time commitment, it's not really reasonable to assume that people will not think about upside. And that generally, usually like funding proposals are kind of calculated in terms of cost. Like they don't bake in some sort of like success bonus because that's a really hard thing to negotiate with the DAO. What are the levels that you should set? How should they be measured? Like who decides if, if those success criteria were hit, et cetera. So usually the funding proposal is a cost-based proposal, which is like, it's probably going to take X amount of time. It's going to take five people to work on it. And if you put a certain labor cost, et cetera. So that's what you, it's kind of necessary for the efficiency of the funding layer of governance. But then if you don't have a layer that incentivizes or kind of rewards the outsized contributions if prop is a success or like if this second client uh the front end is a huge success then like how does that reward happen and i think it's it's a really important like fundamental problem in the sense that nouns sort of the second client would be like a public good within the nouns ecosystem everyone every noun holder every noun community like benefits from the added decentralization so it's, it's a public good but Public goods generally don't have funding mechanisms and monetization mechanisms. And now as a protocol itself has solved that for itself through the sort of continuous auction mechanism so that it can give out to IP for free and all these things for free and still be sustainable and sort of monetizable. But we, we somehow need to pass that through to the next layer of teams that emerge to work on big public goods projects within the nouns ecosystem. And so I think that's like a mechanism or, or, or a layer that is not fully resolved or, or discussed or, well, it's been discussed a fair amount, but it's just, has not been, been resolved yet. And partly, I think it's, it's a good thing because at the beginning, you just, anyways, yeah, this just takes some time, but yeah, so that's something that I think about. If we don't solve that, then I think that's a failure mode because then it will force all of those sort of ambitious teams that might be internal to the main to only become projects or sort of like separate projects. How that plays out game theoretically is also a topic to explore, but generally that's a failure to sort of pass through that funding and monetization to public goods projects within nouns is a failure mode that I, I think about a fair amount. I definitely, and I agree with everything you've said, but I also think like there's a sense in which for better or worse, 
NFTs and nouns, and even to some extent cryptocurrencies, like kind of assume this this like post scarcity worldview, right? Like the idea that everyone has all of this capital to spend on on JPEGs is kind of an inherently post scarcity idea. And you know, I think even if you look at nouns itself, the protocol of nouns or the project of nouns, and the the kind of the financial incentives or the you know the incentives for for creating the project, like I don't think if the goal was to kind of like maximize financial wealth, I don't think we would have set the project up the way we did. You know, we're working on on the project for a year, having it be this huge success, and then you know getting paid in a few JPEGs. I think you know that that relative to like the the caliber, I think of many of the founders that worked on the project. Like I feel like that is not that is not the way we, you would set it up if you wanted to kind of maximize financial success. And so I think like the reason that that is possible, like like the reason it's possible to kind of like attract this level of expertise to work on a project like this without those kind of like really strong kind of like wealth maximizing or rent seeking incentives, it is itself a function of of crypto just being this somewhat post-scarcity economy, right? Like just there's just a lot of wealth in the space that was made over the last decade. And that wealth gives a lot of the participants flexibility to work on things that that they wouldn't otherwise work on with those financial incentives intact. And I think in that sense, like that ethos is part of nounishness, where people are willing to kind of contribute things for, you know, the greater good of the project or or the greater good of of the space. And that's not to say that, you know, we don't need very strong financial incentives to make this continue to work. But I do think there is a sense in which part, again, like the stack of crypto and NFTs and nouns is based on this premise that, you know, capital flows very freely in the space. And if you stick around, there will be opportunities, but also you have the ability to contribute to things without the promise of like a direct kind of like venture scale financial return. So I agree with you, but there's a fair amount that I would, I would push back on, which is that crypto, there's a whole spectrum of maximizing ROI-ness in different projects in crypto. So not every crypto project is built the same and also kind of assumes the same amount of intended ROI of the founders. So I, I agree with you that the Nouns founders did not build a model that at least immediately delivers an incredibly high ROI, but, but there is some return. I think that like a huge difference, especially on sort of an, an exponential potential asset and, and project like NAND, is that even if it's built on the spectrum, like a lower value capturing end of that spectrum, if this is maximally successful, then that is still a huge venture-sized, outsized return. And Mostly what I'm saying is not that the sort of sub projects or sub teams that build sort of public goods within the Nouns ecosystem should have, should be on the complete other end of that sort of spectrum, but rather that they should be able to have the flow through of what the sort of parent layer, the amount of monetization that the parent layer offers. And that feels fair to me. And that is also feels in the same way that the Nounders was able to work on this with a balance of both what you thought was good for the space, but also some amount of value capture. I think that would also sort of enable the right balance in the other teams as well. But having none of that is a problem and is, is a problem that is prevalent in, in not just crypto. Open source development has, has this problem for a long time as well. And this argument, which is like, if you pay anyone any amount of money, then they might 
then the sort of incentives are are not aligned or you won't get the best talent because they're not sort of missionary. Like, yes, but no, I think there's a balance, which is that if there is a difference between a sort of a for-profit closed source project and an open source project where people sort of mostly do it because they enjoy it or out of the goodwill or like they're excited about an idea. But I think Nouns is an exciting experiment in my mind if we try to balance those things and not say that it's like one or the other, but even if it's a low value capture, there is value capture and that makes it sustainable. And in sort of a maximal outcome, you can also have wealth creation. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I mean, I I think you're right to say like the correct set of incentives is the set that kind of mirrors the the parent layer, right? Like whatever upside is inherent in in noun NFTs, you know, maybe independent of the treasury, but just, you know, the the value of having owned one and and participated or whatever the the value mechanism is that makes a noun NFT valuable should that upside should should flow through to the participants of the ecosystem. I think that's correct. Yeah, the financial incentivization is something that I've thought about quite a bit in your earlier comments 4156 about you know a post-scarcity world i think that we've you know seen interest in nouns from a call it a post-scarcity set of early crypto participants you know who work on this just out of the pure intellectual curiosity of it and have no need for financial incentives and you know as it's a you know what i term and some of the others have termed a whale dow where you know all members are somewhere in the spectrum of doing relatively well for themselves to insanely insanely wealthy I think that there will be people on the, on the further right side of that spectrum that can just work on passion projects. But as we've scaled the DAO, getting new participants, I, I do think that those financial incentives are critical to just bring as many people as possible in. And I think in the experimentation I've done personally, I, I as a core contributor, get paid to work on the protocol, get paid to do some of the community building activities and run the, the pool of capital called small grants. That compensation is the ether. So it's it's great and it keeps me sustained enables enables me to sustain my interest in the protocol but it doesn't give me equity upside but there's other been intangible ways that i personally have been able to use nouns as a way to or find a way to monetize nouns which has been through i started a business with someone who i met through nouns and my largest investor is someone i met through nouns but what i think comes next is the ability for people to very easily start a business on top of nouns and the really interesting design space that we're going to see emerge is once Nouns Builder is released, which basically lets people spin up a Nouns DAO. I don't know if fork is the right term, but very easily create a project that uses the Nouns DAO distribution mechanism, treasury, and could allow people to create their own DAO that Nouns Treasury and Nouns DAO has an interest in, but also allows the creator of that to have their own financial interest in that gives them the potential to have equity-like upside. So they can create a business that ultimately serves the interests of NounsDAO, both in brand and financially. And we have only just begun to see experimentation here through Little Nouns. There's some other interesting projects that are doing different forms of that, the distribution mechanism that I could go into later if anyone really has interest. But this is something that's only emerged in the last month, but it's kind of been a big light bulb moment for me in terms of what's possible. Isn't what you're describing, 22, in, in some sense, like evidence that it's not necessarily the DAO's responsibility to kind of like engineer financial upside for other participants, right? That like the open nature of all of the assets and, and the source code and all of the infrastructure that the DAO builds actually creates opportunities for other people to kind of build their own financial upside, which in a sense is a much more sustainable model than, than us trying to determine, you know, how many fractions of a noun, for example, somebody should get for executing X or Y. Curious what you think of that. Yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. I mean, there already are pathways 
like like we were both talking about right now. But again, I don't think that we should create some kind of like, you know, moon boy incentivization structures where people can like do something very quickly to get rich quick, but rather just create a framework and a path forward for people to just feel like, okay, if I'm going to work on top of nouns and build something on top of nouns and really, you know, expend time and energy, not like a get rich quick scheme, that I'll be able to build something, you know, that I own, that I can make a substantial amount of capital that I can become wealthy from. We don't have to do anything. And then there should be, but I think that there are paths by which people will be able to do that. And I think once the model is more clear, once it's been proven out where you go, oh, look, you know, this guy did that. He gave a piece of the interest now he launched his own DAO. And look how much, you know, capital it's bringing in. I think we'll attract a ton of very talented builders and entrepreneurs to work on top of the protocol. So it's not something we have to do, but I think it's hugely it would be hugely beneficial. And it's something that we're just starting to see the design space of emerge right now. Just a little bit of pushback from five six. I, I think just a few terminology stuff here. Like, I don't think necessarily we should think about every new instance as like of nouns as a business. I think maybe a nouns fork might be a better term, but because ultimately they would be replicating the mechanism if they do the, sort of the best version of the fork, then they would be the sort of the mechanistic sort of behaviors that would emerge from there would be very much mirror nouns. So if we don't think about ourselves as a business and, and frame it that way, and then the likely outcome is that it's, it's similarity. But also, if you think about nouns forks or new instances, then form five six, I think you then force every sort of public goods project within the ecosystem to have to launch their own NFTs, manage the community, manage governance. And that's an overhead that they might not want. So there's a really good thing about that because then like, yes, as you said, it's more scalable. The market is deciding what those NFTs are worth. So like their upside is decided by the market rather than now as a protocol. So there's a very clean solution there. But at the same time, for them to be able to afford that clean solution and a market-driven solution, you're forcing them to take upon a huge burden. Think about the amount of sort of attention and community and governance sort of risk, like thinking that, that goes on in the main protocol, forcing that upon and is a huge deal. And like, for example, I, I talked to Seneca about this a few times, and that's the sort of the biggest sort of resistance point or like the difficulty. Like PropHouse, yes, can launch non fork, but then just to be able to tap into this sort of market-driven incentive mechanism needs to create artwork, needs to like, promote them and sell them, have a discord, manage those people, like govern, like, is that something that actually the prop house team wants to do and needs to do? Like some projects, yes, like Lil Nouns wanted to do that. But I think if that is the only way that you can get fairly sort of fair capture of the value that you create, then I think you're forcing a lot of unnecessary overhead on, on teams that would benefit just, just doing the thing they want to do, build another front end and not launch an NFT project. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I mean, it, it seems maybe like a little bit analogous to, you know, if you want to think about it in kind of pure NF, NFT terms and, you know, and NFTs are kind of capturing attention and provenance, maybe ra rather than cash flows, at least at this point in the history of the space, you know, like this is kind of analogous to kind of collecting the work of another artist versus trying to kind of launch your own artist platform. Like it's a distinction between kind of tapping into pre-existing provenance and trying to create your own effectively. And each of those use cases will be valuable for different applications. But I think 
if you want to talk about kind of like asymmetric upside, there's there's clearly more asymmetric upside in kind of launching your own thing, right, than kind of owning fractions of, of someone else's thing. So, I mean, both things, of course, will be important for the future of the brand protocol platform, whatever. But if we're talking purely about like unfettered upside, I think it's the forking mechanism that is probably more likely to create that than kind of doing piecework for fractions of pounds, for example. Agreed. Yeah. So the main point is that we, we shouldn't be completely complacent about the people that don't want to do this sort of maximal value capture mode or sort of maximal control and creating, creating their own provenance mode. But we should like also still figure out a way to keep it in the main protocol as well. I mean, the traditional company analogy, you know, companies pay employees with cash, they pay contractors with cash, employees are kind of incentivized with with options and kind of founders get equity, investors get class A equity. You know, like you can kind of like imagine an analogous kind of distribution of, of upside within the nouns ecosystem, right? You can get ETH from the treasury. You can take the artwork and try to create your own derivative. You can create a full fork of of nouns to create another another instance of the project that kind of tries to mimic the whole structure. Or maybe, you know, eventually you can kind of get get paid in nouns or compensated in nouns. So I yeah, I, I mean I I don't disagree. I, I think that that whole kind of spectrum of risk and upside is is like available from within the project. The only reason that I harp on it is that I think there is something very different about like like there's something more movement like than a noun than a company. And also it does not have the, there's like an inversion of the traditional business model. As I sort of alluded to in the beginning, it's, it's not sort of a strict revenue model, but rather like you create goodwill or public goods or like this attention. And then later is, is monetized in a different way. So, so like there are modes in which the sort of the, the corporate language and mental models break. And if we just assume that like things will be taken care of, because the structure is a different structure, I think it can lead to them not being taken care of. So that's that's the only re- I agree with you. And there are examples of outsized rewards already having happened, like for the nouns luxury glasses. Salvino, it's an anonymous Twitter account holder, received a full noun for the sort of product that they delivered. So like that's a example. So I'm, I'm not saying that it's not happening. It's already organically happening to a certain extent. But that was a sort of a controversial conversation in, in the beginning with the proposal. That sort of that sort of reward element was added. It was a huge sort of overhead in governance conversation. And so to, to streamline that governance conversation, which already is, seems like, a, like an organic thing, yeah, that's, that's the point. I mean, I would al- almost argue that, like in, in the case of Noun's vision, the glasses, like that even the reward of, of a single full noun would never be a sufficient incentive to try to create your own sunglasses brand, right? Like, I mean, yes, obviously it's a lot of money, right? Like a noun is worth, you know, and $150,000, but the idea that you would kind of stop your life for two years to kind of like attempt to create an at scale brand that's distributing and, and designing sunglasses for just the single noun as compensation. Like, I think there are other incentives that kind of automatically exist within the protocol that generate the upside for a project like that. It's, I think that the noun is, is almost just like a bonus in that context. Yeah. Also, when it comes to noun based compensation, you know, $150,000, people are unable in most cases to really realize the value of that investment, right? Because selling that noun would be quitting the Dow, right? So, so it is a nice bonus and it, it is certainly valuable. But if you know, you're trying to financially reward someone, it may not be the cleanest way. Not to mention the tax obligation. What? Who? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Any other 
major outstanding things that people want to talk about or, or, or ask and ask open-ended questions? Yeah. Well, one thing I just want to take the opportunity to say that I've usually discussed on every podcast or, or piece of media that I'm on is to anyone who's listening to this, to the extent that you want to become active and engaged in the nouns ecosystem, you should understand that the path to being compensated on the merit of your efforts is a very simple and straightforward one. But if you spend your energy and time working on the nouns protocol, there are a number of ways, whether it's on chain proposals, uh, prop house or, or small grants, which is a pool of capital that I manage, you know, we will make sure that you are rewarded for your time working on nouns. It'll be really exciting to see the ecosystem of companies building on top of nouns increase. Anecdotally, I've seen a lot of the, the top NFT companies spend more and more time on the forums, proposing things, building the nouns builder, obviously, and eventually, and maybe we're starting to see this already, companies build building only on nouns and, and fundraise based off of it. And the same way that there's a Bitcoin ecosystem and an Ethereum ecosystem and like other L1s, like this could really be something that sets this apart compared to, again, other NFT projects, which again, mostly feel like sort of one centralized company promising a specific deliverable and then everyone sort of from the community watching and, and waiting and, and hoping that it happens. So yeah, definitely a different approach, but that's sort of what is most exciting to me, having listened to you guys riff over the past half hour. One interesting thing that I've experienced as, as like a co-creator of, of the project is just watching the kind of like relentless scaling of the builders. And, you know, th this was something that I think you could kind of like observe early on in, in Bitcoin and, and Ethereum history and kind of like observe it, I guess, not, not as a creator, but as a participant in the protocol. But somehow it, it feels it feels like more mysterious as like a project co-creator where, where you just see people building, like continuing to build on nouns. And I don't know, may maybe this is just mostly a function of, of having created a lot of stuff over the years. And like, you know, mo most things you create just don't work despite your best efforts. But there's a sort of like relentlessness to like the builders being attracted to the project and then like continuing to build things on it. And then like larger builders being attracted to the project and continuing to, to build things on it that feels very mysterious. And, you know, I, I think maybe in like the L1 world, this is apparent, right? Like there's kind of a, a relentlessness of builders that are kind of like attracted to Ethereum and, and like trying to do stuff on it. And then you see these other kind of competing L1s that, you know, spend sometimes like a billion dollars trying to attract people to build on, on the ecosystem and, and it just doesn't work. And so there's this sense that, that, there's this kind of like very subtle or mysterious quality that certain protocols have that like attract people to build on them that I think, you know, it's clear that at least to some extent Nouns has this. And, you know, I, I think maybe I, I try to define that sometimes personally as, as like, you know, it, it has authenticity or it's built with heart, but whatever that is, it, it seems to be there and it seems to be kind of propelling everything forward. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that personally. I mean, like when I first got involved in the project in the first month, I wasn't really sure. I mean, it, it seems like very exciting. I figured, you know, worst case, maybe I can sell this NFT for a higher price than I originally bought it. But it came through reaching out to other members, other early nouners in the community to very quickly realize that something special was going on. That the incredibly impressive, successful, engaging other people who I saw joining the DAO, all mostly from crypto backgrounds, obviously, but, but approaching this in a lot of different ways. Uh, to speak to your sense of, of mysteriousness or mystery, 
you know, gave me this feeling that was the first time I'd felt it in a number of years, you know, from when I had just seen Bitcoin in the early days or, or, or Ethereum of this, you know, this sense of, it, I'm not sure where this goes, but I can tell that I'm in the right room based on all the other people who are working on this and also are working on this, not out of the thought of, oh, I'm going to get rich quick, but really trying to build something sustainable that lasts in the future. So where I, I, I certainly have no better clarity exactly on where the Nouns Project will look, will look in a year, two years, or five years, I can just sense you know, from having been in this industry for a while that there's really just magic in a bottle here. So to your comments of, of what that mystery is, it's certainly something that's, that's attracted me initially, engaged me, and has, has kept me working on this protocol basically full-time for a whole year. Well, guys, really appreciate you coming on today to talk about all things nouns. I feel like we covered a lot of ground and got pretty deep into the weeds at certain points. But yeah, I think we, we talked about distribution. We talked about sustainability and, and scaling governance. We talked about the emerging hyper nounization, which I love that word, and just the ecosystem of, of stuff that, that people are building. So yeah, I think this is a, a really good wide ranging discussion and yeah, really excited to see what happens here over the coming year or two. 27 years, there'll be as many nouns as, as there are CryptoPunks. So stay tuned. Yeah, Derek, this was great. Thank you so much for having us on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, cheers. Thank you very much.